Today we're reading in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35 through chapter 10 through verse 15. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These five, these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Amen. Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. We begin in verse 35 this morning walking through this text. We began a section that we end this morning, really ended last week. It started in chapter 4, verse 23, that showed us Jesus' ministry. If I can just give you a brief outline, Matthew has introduced to us the king, who he is, and where he's from, all that we need to know about him in the first couple of chapters of this gospel. Beginning in chapter 4, once we know who he is, he begins to show us his ministry and what who he is means for the ministry of Jesus. And so we said way back a couple of months ago in chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus' ministry will be one of proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God, teaching and healing. And so we've seen that. Matthew then moves into a section there beginning in chapter 4 verse 23 where we see his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus preaching to us the first sermon that we have recorded in the New Testament. And so we walked through his preaching there. Then in chapters 8 and 9 we've seen Matthew show us Jesus healing and his teaching ministry. 
And that healing and teaching that we've seen in chapters 8 and 9 showed us about faith and discipleship as Jesus heals the sick and teaches about discipleship. And in all of this section of Jesus' ministry, Matthew has been careful to show us the authority of Jesus. When you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the people are amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he teaches as one with authority. When you come to chapters 8 and 9, what we've said over the last couple of weeks, and I hope that it has blessed your heart as it has mine to study it, that we've seen Jesus has authority over disease, over the demonic, over disaster, and over the damnation that is ours in Adam. And so last week when we came to the end of this section, we came to a point where we said Matthew is bringing us to a point of decision. And that decision is that Jesus' authority in teaching, His authority in healing, His authority in proclaiming the gospel, in saying the King is here, follow me. That authority that He has to look at Matthew, to look at James and John, to look at Peter and Andrew and say, follow me. That authority demands a response. And so we came to the end of that section before this summary statement that we say that see this morning. And we see that there are three responses to Jesus' authority. The religious leaders or the Pharisees, they just criticize. They refuse to believe Jesus. They actually attribute Jesus' teaching and His miracles to the power of Satan. The crowds, they are marveling at Him, but they're marveling at Jesus from a distance. It's not real discipleship. As a matter of fact, they just admire Jesus and they would like to benefit from some of his miracles, perhaps some of his healing. But Matthew is showing us Jesus' healing leads to and has the purpose of leading to faith. And so the crowds are fickle and they will turn very quickly. So you can be like the religious leaders and criticize. You can be like the crowds and marvel from a distance. Or you can be like the blind men last week whom... Jesus healed and they recognized who Jesus was and they declared their need for Jesus. Have mercy upon us, son of David. The irony in the text is that the blind man, the blind men see better than those who are seeing. Those who have their sight can't really see who Jesus is. And the point is, would you come to him? Would you be as foolish as these blind men, come blind men, come to Jesus and say, "You are the king. You are my king." I need you. Have mercy upon me. So throughout this whole section, we've seen Jesus calling for faith that means a willingness to abandon all and follow Him. He is the King. He has all authority. Come after Him. This morning, I think the text is going to move for us to show those who are responding to Jesus as the blind men did. We recognize who He is and we fall at His mercy and say, You are my King, I want to follow you. Jesus is going to be revealed to us in these two sermons in chapter 10 as the shepherd king who sends His followers to minister as ambassadors of the kingdom. And so be clear with me this morning, if you get the point of the text this morning and next week, you will see with me that the shepherd king has come to call you to follow him, and that call to follow him is not just to rest and say, oh, I'm in the kingdom, but to become an ambassador for the kingdom. And so you can't come and follow after Jesus and say, well, I'm in. As a matter of fact, I'm afraid that what we are going to address this week and next may be the hardest truths of Christianity that keep many people from really following after Jesus. 
You see, it all sounds great that someone would offer us heaven and the kingdom. But heaven and the kingdom is not just what you imagine it to be of just rest and doing nothing for the rest of your life. I'm in, so I'm good. The king has the purpose of expanding his kingdom. And when you and I are really in the kingdom, we believe in the king so much that we will obey the king. And today we're going to see the king give us instruction to make disciples. Now this is not the only time we're going to see this in the Gospel of Matthew. When Jesus comes back from the dead and he talks to his disciples, what he's going to say to them is go into all the world and make disciples. The king has the purpose of those in the kingdom spreading the good news of the kingdom. But listen to me. There are many people who think they're in the kingdom, but they're not in the kingdom as evidenced by they're not obeying the king. They're not doing the king's work. And so this morning, I want to say you may have come over the last couple of weeks and encouraged, been encouraged by the authority of the king. Jesus' authority over disaster or disease might have attracted you. And you want to say, oh, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to know Jesus is going to remind you again today and next week in this text that following costs you everything. Will you surrender to the kingdom? And so let's look at the text this morning. Jesus is presented to us as the shepherd king. Look at verse 35 and 36 as I believe this is a a transition passage. It's the bookend to where we've just been. It, chapter 9, verse 35 matches chapter 4, verse 23. So it kind of bookends Jesus' ministry, but then it serves as a transition to Jesus handing that ministry off to his followers. Look at verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction, every affliction. This is a summary of Jesus' ministry. He is the shepherd king, as evidenced by chapter 9, verse 36. We'll get to that in just a moment. And he gives us here a model for ministry. Here is a summary of his ministry. He goes everywhere there are people, throughout all cities and villages. In this day, it is estimated that there were some 200 towns and villages There may have been a possible 3 million people there in Galilee where Jesus is ministering. So Jesus is going to everywhere there are people to find the towns, the bigger cities, and the villages, the smaller ones, the smaller gatherings of people. He would go to any of them. He was going to where the people were in order to do ministry. And he went into their synagogues. This is where the people gathered. If it were today or in our time, Jesus would have gone wherever the people gathered. He was going to where the religious people gathered to teach them about the truths of Christianity, the truths of the true God, the true King. And so he'd go in their churches and he would meet them where they gathered to do what? To teach and proclaim and heal. This is the meat of his ministry. And so this morning I want you to see this shepherd king and the model we have for ministry here in verses 35 and 36. I'm going to fly through this because we're going to see it again in just a moment. Model of ministry for Jesus. You might want to write these three down because I think it's something that you and I would need to learn. If you are going to follow the king, here's the ministry that you and I are going to be involved in. First, he would enter their world. He went into the towns and villages in verse 35. Jesus went where the people were. 
he entered their world. Secondly, he would meet them at the point of their need. Jesus entered their world and he met them at the point of their need. Look at verse 36. It's an incredible passage that brings our attention. Matthew, you know, here's what Matthew's been doing for us. He has been showing us how Jesus fulfills all the Old Testament. Chapter 9, verse 36 is doing the same thing. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. They were helpless. Sheep are not smart animals. They have no defense system. Sheep have one defense, and that is run. They have nothing else, and they don't even run very fast. And so when the sheep are in the midst of danger, they have only a shepherd to protect them. This is why a shepherd must stay with the sheep. And so Jesus says, I see the crowds, I see the people, I see Israel, and they are harassed And they're helpless, they're downcast, they are not going in the right direction, they're scattered. And they're like sheep without a shepherd. Notice here Jesus' compassion when he sees them. We could stop there and say, Jesus' heart was turned toward the abandoned sheep of Israel, just like our hearts ought to be turned to those in our world who are lost and dying apart from the King. Jesus has compassion. This word compassion is used of him exclusively in Matthew's gospel. And he is the king of compassion who would look at our lives and come to us and seek us out as lost sheep. But that's not all that Matthew's doing here in verse 36. Matthew is showing us that Jesus is not only king, he is the shepherd king that was promised. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but sometime today or this week, go back and read Ezekiel chapter 34. Just write write it down, Ezekiel 34. Go back and read what God says to the shepherds of Israel. He brings a judgment against them because they have left the sheep. They're feeding themselves and not taking care of the sheep. And so God pronounces judgment against them. And he says, God's flock now have no shepherd. God pronounces judgment on them because they're not shepherding the people. They care for themselves, but not the sheep. They should, this is Ezekiel 34, they should feed the sheep, but they don't. They should heal the weak and wounded sheep, but they don't. They should seek after the lost sheep, but they have not. And so therefore, God says in Ezekiel 34, I will shepherd my people. Let me quote it, beginning in verse 36. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will feed them. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. Here in chapter 9, verse 36, in Matthew's summary of Jesus' ministry, when he says Jesus has compassion and he heals and preaches and teaches, he is saying the shepherd king is here. Ezekiel 34 says, I will put someone who is a son of David to shepherd my people. That king is here and his name is Jesus. He has come as God in the flesh to shepherd the people of God, to bring back in, to seek out the lost sheep of God. And so the shepherd king has come and he sees the suffering of the flock and he meets them in their suffering. We said it last week, I want to reiterate it for you as a matter of hope and strength in your life. When the king is present, when the king was walking on the earth, disease 
must flee. Disaster must flee. Demons have no authority. Damnation is cast out because the King brings salvation. And so Jesus goes to those who are suffering and He meets them at the point of their need and then He doesn't leave them there. He brings them the good news of the kingdom. And so look back at verse 35. What is he doing? Teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. Jesus brings them good news and hope because they are suffering, they are scattered, they are the lost sheep of God. And so this is the ministry of the king. He enters their world. He finds where they are and goes to them. He meets them at the point of their need, and he brings them the good news of the kingdom, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. This is his ministry, and it's a model to those who will follow him. So notice Jesus' reaction to seeing the lost sheep. He has compassion, but then in verse 37, what does he do? He looks at his disciples. Those who are following him, as we see in chapter 10, verse 1, those who are the 12, he looks at them and he says, we need more laborers. Look at what he says. You know it. You've heard it in your life. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He looks at his disciples and says, we need laborers. Ask any farmer that has a harvest in the field if they don't get a little nervous if their labor doesn't show up. I remember growing up, my grandfather is a woodworker. He's a cabinet maker. And I found out sometime in my teenage years that he used to be a mason. He used to lay block, brick for a living. I said, Papa, why did you ever get out of laying block and brick and building and go to cabinet making? He said, Stephen, labor got so expensive and hard to find. You couldn't find good labor. So I quit what I was doing and went into something that I didn't need, laborers. I can build cabinets with machinery and get things to hold my cabinet. So he went into a business where he just had to depend on himself. If you're going to do something like block work or in this image, if you're going to do something like farming, you are going to need laborers. You have to have something to harvest the crop. And so Jesus says, look out as he looks at the lost sheep of Israel. He sees those who need to come to the Father. And he says, the harvest is indeed plentiful. There are plenty of people who need to come into the kingdom. And they're ready But there are no laborers. There's no one to go. And so you and I would expect Jesus to then say, So guys, go. But it's not what He says first. And you and I need to make a note of it here. Therefore, because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Look at that with me, verse 38. Therefore, pray earnestly. Church, I spent a whole year studying, reading about, looking at the Scripture, reading books about prayer. And you'll remember me coming before you during that time and saying, I've discovered in my ministry I don't pray nearly enough. I was convinced that year that there was nothing more important that I could do for the lost, for the church, for you, for my family, than pray for them. You and I are people in our culture who have a tendency to want to do something. When somebody says, hey, I'm struggling with this, well, what can you do? Well, pray for me. Yeah, I'm doing that, but what can I do? We just skip over prayer like it's just nothing. And many times we don't even ever pray for them. We just kind of say, oh, Lord, help them. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. 
This has been my prayer for us this week. What are we praying? That laborers would go out. I'm praying for you, and I hope that you will join me in praying, God, send laborers. God is the Lord of the harvest, and that's the one we're to pray to. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. To do what? To send out laborers into His harvest. Church, we have a harvest of souls. And God has called some of you to be right here in Bunn, Zebulun, Lewisburg, Wake Forest. He's called you and planted you in jobs in Rocky Mount and Raleigh and wherever it may be. He's placed you there because someone has prayed, God, send out laborers. And you have been sent out by God to your place as a laborer of the king. This is the king we serve. This is his mission that you and I would be a part of his harvest. I pray that God would convince you. I prayed this morning God would convince you that He has sent you to your place of living, your community, your job, your recreation, wherever He sends you, that you would know, God, you have sent me here as a missionary. There is a harvest where you are. Is it Bun? Is it Rocky Mountain? Is it Raleigh? Is it Wake Forest? Wherever you are, God has sent you. Is it your school? Is it your job? Is it your neighborhood? He is sending you there. But I've also prayed that this harvest is beyond just there. We need to pray because there's a harvest in Baltimore. There's a harvest in Lamino Town. There's a harvest in Esparta, Turkey. There are harvests all over the world and we're seeing people come to know the Lord because people are going and I am praying, God, send out people from our church. You know my heart on that. I would love that God would continue and keep on sending people out of our church. You say, Pastor, well, how are we going to grow then? I'm not worried about growing this place. I'm worried about growing His kingdom. And so would you join me in praying, God, send us out. Send us to our community. Send us to this nation. Send us to the nations that we could see a harvest. And church, listen to me. Here's the hard part of this prayer. When you pray it, He very well may send you. But you can leave everything because He is the King. And He knows you. And He's called you to be in His kingdom. Will you Put everything on the table. Will you put your life on the table and say, God, it is yours. If my ministry is here in Bunn, if it is in Wake Forest or Zebulon, or Lord, if it is in Lamino Town, I am willing. I am ready to go. I surrender everything to you. That's what a follower is, and that's what this prayer is for. I told you it's hard truth. It's hard truth, isn't it? Let's be honest this morning. We would all rather just stay where we are. The reality is, right where we are, most of us don't even see ourselves as missionaries where we are. It does start here. You must see your home and your job as a mission field for the king. Why else would he have put you there? He certainly, it's going to become evident, he certainly didn't put you there just to earn money and have a comfortable life. That's not why God brought you into his kingdom. He brought you into his kingdom to be his ambassador. Will you serve Him? First, pray. Church, this morning we're going to come to an invitation time here very quickly. I'm going to invite some of you to get into this altar and bow your knee before God and say, God, send out laborers, and if it will be me, make it me. Would you pray that? Let me get a little harder. If you can't pray that, 
then you either need to repent and get right with the king or give your life to him because you really have never surrendered to him. That's, that's the king, right? This is his word. This is not Stephen. This is Jesus. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now the hard truth. Are you the king's or are you yours? You see, if you're yours, you're not the king's. Blank check. Lord, it's yours. First, pray. Secondly, chapter 10. Go. Notice how in verse 1 he summons the 12 disciples to him. And he gives them authority. Let me be clear here. Some of what we see in chapter 10 is, you're going to read this and say, well, Stephen, that's just for the disciples. That's just for this mission. Yes, but there's a lot of it that goes beyond there. For example, we are not going to be called just to go to Galilee. And that's what Jesus says. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. But Jesus is going to change that even later. He just starts. This is what Paul says, right? gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first. Jesus says, I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel first, so stay here in Galilee. But later in chapter 28, he's going to say, make disciples of all kinds of people, of all nations. And so that command is going to change. But here, you and I still learn Jesus, our king, and what he says about being sent by the king. So he summons the disciples, and Matthew gives us the name of them. And he summons them to ministry. So, verse 5, the 12 Jesus sent out. Let me say this to you. Jesus not only summons the 12, he sends the 12. I'll make this statement to you. Those whom the king summons, he also sends. He will not summon you to himself. He does not call you into the kingdom without an intention to send you on an errand for the kingdom. He is the king and you have been called to serve the king. He didn't call you there just for safety. He didn't call you there just for glory. He didn't call you there just for delight and pleasure. All of that's part of the kingdom, but he called you there to be a worker in his kingdom. God has a kingdom that will last forever, and he's invited you into it, made you a son and a daughter of the king, and now he wants you to go and work for the king. And so those whom he summons, he will also send And so look at it in verses 5 and 6. Three times he says, go, go, go to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he says in verse 7, as you go. Here is the command to us. We are to go just like the disciples are going. He will say to us in chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, as you go, make disciples. Listen carefully to me, church. You and I can do all kinds of marketing schemes, and we should do things to invite people to our church. I want you to invite people here. We can put up billboards and signs and advertise in the newspaper that we're having a a candlelight service, and we're having things for Awana, and we can invite people to come in here and hear the word. But what Jesus says for you and I to do as ambassadors is to go. Go where? To where the people are. Right? We don't live in a day where people are just coming into the church because they think this is a cool place to be. I don't know if you have noticed it or not, but not many people just stop by and come into a church anymore. That's not what Jesus said the way His kingdom was going to be grown anyway. He says, you who are in the church need to go. He sends them. This is the king that we follow who sends His disciples out. So, Jesus summons, He sends, 
And now beginning in the end of verse 5, he instructs. And this will be this week and next week. We'll just do a couple of these this week. He instructs. Look what he says, beginning in verse 5. Enter their world. Don't want you to go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans yet. Verse 6, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember Exodus chapter 34? My sheep are scattered. They have no shepherd. I am the shepherd. And now he has given authority to the disciples. And he says, I want you to go and shepherd the lost sheep. I want you to go find them. I want you to seek them because this is what a shepherd does. So go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What's he saying? Go back to your notes. Enter their world. Go find them. Go find the lost sheep of Israel. Go find people that are lost. Go find people that need Jesus. Go meet them right where they are. Go where the people are. If they're on the ball field, then go to the ball field. If they're in your neighborhood, then go to your neighborhood. If they're in your workplace, then go to your workplace. Wherever the people are, you and I are called to go. Enter their world. Secondly, what's he say? Look at verse 8. Meet them at the point of their need. Look at what he says in verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. What do all those have in common? They're all suffering. Meet people that are suffering. Meet people that are downcast. Pastor, we can't heal the sick and raise the dead. You're exactly right. The authority was given to the disciples to do those things, but you and I can be an ambassador for the king and go to where the people are hurting. I will remind you, we said over the last couple of weeks, the people that are diseased and dejected and demon-oppressed, their greatest need is not that they're diseased and dejected and demon-oppressed. Their greatest need is they need the king. They have a, a, a sin problem that only Jesus can meet. So you and I meet them in their need. It is lostness that is their problem. And so meet people in their suffering. Identify with them right where they are. They're outcasts. Go to the outcast. They're the poor, go to the poor. They're the downtrodden, go to the downtrodden. They're the despised and rejected, go to them. Why? Because you and I were like them. And Jesus pulled us out of the pit of hell and he made us his children. He made us the ones that would then be representatives of his king. And so go to them where they are, meet them in their need. Church, this is what we are called to do. And if we're not doing it, and we're not obedient to the king. Go enter their world. Meet them at the point of their need. Would you imagine what he says next? Bring them Jesus and his salvation. Because this is their real need. Look back at verse 7. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was the message of John the Baptist. It was the message of Jesus. And it's the message you and I have to give. There is hope. The king has come and he died for you and he rose again and he lives today for you to be a part of his kingdom. Repent and believe because the kingdom has come. It has touched this earth and the consummation of the kingdom is coming. And so get ready. Repent and believe this king. Come after him. Bring them Jesus and his salvation. Proclaim as you go. Seek the lost and proclaim as you go church enter their world let me challenge you this morning where has Jesus put you providentially 
that you are his ambassador. That you can meet people where they are. Some of you have children and you can go and be a part of the activities that they're doing and be with families, with kids, and you can reach them. Some of you live in neighborhoods where you can go door to door and build relationships and have community events where you can reach your neighbors. Some of you have friends that you hang out with at recreation or other places in our community and that's where people gather. You're there. Jesus put you there for His purpose. Some of you have a workplace that you can talk to people and bring them to the Lord. Wherever it is, you need to know where do I enter the world of lost people if you don't have anywhere find somewhere be there Friday be there Friday night get somewhere where there are lost people find out where lost people are and enter their world and then meet them where they're suffering they're suffering and dejected and rejected people everywhere meet them where they are and bring them Jesus and His salvation. This is the ministry of the King. It is our message. The message of the King, the kingdom, is here. And so now, once we get the way the disciples are to go, now we see Jesus giving them some specific instructions on going. We'll just deal with two of these. It's the rest of the chapter. Pick it up next week, but just two of these quickly. Verse 8. Verse 8. The end of it, he says, you received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver nor copper for your belts. I think the issue here is the gold coins. Don't, don't receive stuff for preaching the gospel. Look, the gospel is preached to you for free. Nobody charged you to hear the gospel. So don't start charging other people to hear the gospel. What's his point? Listen, trust God to provide. Most of you don't have to worry about tunics and, and, and uh, uh, sandals or staff. But what Jesus is saying here is, trust God to provide. Don't even take two coats with you, he says. Just go and teach, preach, proclaim, meet them where they are, bring them the news of Jesus, and don't worry about all the rest. God will provide. He's going to provide for you. That's what he says at the end of this verse 10. No bag for your journey, no tunics, no sandals, nor staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Trust God. Don't charge for it. You weren't charged for it. You didn't pay, so don't require payment. Trust God. As you go, will you trust God? Don't hold on to things here. Don't say, well, I've got, I've got to do this. I've got to prepare this much. I've got to have this much in my bank account, or I've got to do this. Just go where you are. For some of you, he'll send you overseas. For some of you, he'll send you right here next door. Go where you are. Trust God to provide for you. Secondly, he says in verses 11 through 15, carefully choose the people you identify yourself with. Now, as you go, we, I've seen this overseas. We go overseas and we go to Uganda. I've been to Cuba, to Russia. The people that you identify yourself with in any village are the people that introduce you to their friends and everybody else. And those that introduce you to everybody else their reputation in the community will become your reputation in the community. And so Jesus says when you go into a place that you haven't been, that there's no gospel witness, look for someone. That's what he says. Look for someone who's worthy. We could debate on what worthy means. What he really means here is be careful the ones that you identify yourself with. They had a day, uh, they were living in a day of hospitality. There was no days in or holiday in that you just go and check in and stay there while you're in this community. You would stay with people. As a matter of fact, 
Africa's even changed in that manner. When we went 14 or 15 years ago now and 17 years ago, we would stay with people. They would, we would want to uh, be with the people. There were no hotels and things like that. Now when we go to Lamino, uh, there is 20 minutes away. There's a place that we can stay. And so Western culture has come in there. But in this day, and maybe even in some of the places we would go today, you wouldn't just check into a hotel. You would stay with someone and you would identify with the people you're staying with and they would introduce you to the community. Jesus is saying to us, carefully choose the people you identify with in the community because their reputation will precede and influence your message. So find out about persons before you start staying with them. That's all he's saying. Whatever town and village you enter, verse 11, find out who is worthy in that town and village and stay there until you depart. Don't start moving around house to house. Just stay in one place. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. What he's saying is sometimes you're going to make mistakes. You're going to go into the wrong house. And so if you're in the wrong house and you need to leave and go to the next village, then just take your peace with you. The peace is the gospel. So put your peace, put the gospel upon it. Let the gospel go through this house and out of this house. But if they reject it, if they're not worthy, if they don't like the message, if they reject you, then just leave. Don't. Don't worry about staying there. There are plenty who want to hear. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. So just move on. Be careful about who you identify with. And then if you're rejected, don't worry about just leaving. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or that town. Now here's the judgment. Judgment is coming. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for that land, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Why? Because the king is here and his message of hope is here and you've rejected the king. So go. Be careful who you identify with but know that you might mess up. Keep on going. Keep on going. Leave that house. Leave that town. Go to the next one. Keep on going. Church, I want to ask you this morning as we come to a close. Will you join me in praying that God would send from this church to your house, to your community, to your job, to Lamino, to Baltimore, maybe to Esparta to be with Clay and Allison or wherever around the world. There are lost people everywhere. Would you join me this morning in doing the first thing that's said, pray. And then the second thing, where will you go? Who do you need to meet where they are? Whose world can you enter? Can you meet them in the point of their need? Can you meet needs so that you can share the gospel? And then bring them Jesus and his salvation. The hard truth is this, this morning. If we will not, we are, we're displaying evidence to the king. We like the idea of you, but we're not going to follow you. We're just part of the crowd. And when it becomes hard, when I have to actually sacrifice for you, king, I'm part of the crowd, and I'm leaving. I'll turn on you. Or will you be part of those who gained sight, and you actually see the king, and you say, king, you're worth it all. Here's my blank check. Here's my life. You fill it in, Lord, whatever it costs, whatever it takes. I'm yours.